Today's advanced training, Jane Hill. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing her name. <laughs> She's on. All right. I'm so excited to hear from Jane Hill today. Heather, did you want to say the words you said about Jane earlier? It was so great. Um, uh, Jane is my friend. Jane and James, uh, I'll tell you what, what I think of them. The, the first time I met, I met James and Jane, uh, was outside of a conference meeting room at a, a national event in Dallas. Uh, everybody had lit out for the night, and everybody was going to bed. And uh, James and Jane were like, hey, can I ask you a question? I think Heather had even gone to bed at that point. And I was like, sure. We must have stood there in that place for at least three hours to about 4 o'clock in the morning. They kept asking, 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 asking. I was like, oh, I got to go to bed. We got to be back up in like two hours. Um, but that epitomizes who James and Jane are to me. They, they, they have no qualms about seeking out knowledge. Uh, they will jump right in there, get up all, all up in your face and ask questions. But, but a lot of people might do that. James and Jane go do something with it. And that's a very different thing to me. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear from Jane. You said some nice things about her earlier. I, I want her to hear them too. Um, yes, at the beginning, I guess, in case Jane didn't get to hear me. Um, as I've said, as I said, the beginning of the call, our greatest asset right now is each other. And um, we're going to, Fitz and I are going to continue to put great, hardworking producers in front of you mm -hmm. so that you can become like them. And Jane Hill is absolutely one of those people in that category. I called her whimsical at the beginning <laughs> um, because I, I find her personality um, so whimsical, but yet she's so true to who she is. And because I've had um, one-on-one -on -one conversations with Jane. I also know that, that every moment isn't a joy. She's also an expert at getting out there and doing it even when she doesn't want to. In fact, Jane, I'm going to invite you into my home to teach my children how to do chores even when they don't want to. Um, but she's a, she gets out there. She stays in the fight regardless of how she feels. Um, she gets it done week after week. And, um, but yet, like I said, at the beginning, I, I can just sit and listen to her talk forever. I find her, um, I, I, I just find her entertaining in the way she just delivers true to form. And I'm sure that's why the clients buy from her because she, they love her too. And they enjoy talking to her. So I know that you guys are going to take something this morning that will help you be successful today, tomorrow, and then in the days to come. So with that, we welcome Miss Jane Hill. Hang on a second, Jane. Let me get this, uh, this, this screen right. I gotta get you get you all set up here. I, I have blinds behind me, so I don't know if that's distracting or not distracting. You're coming across just fine. So let me see. Okay. I'm going to pin your video. There. So much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure. Um, I think I don't remember who said this, but they were like the expectations should be set a lot lower so that way I can rise above them as opposed to, I feel like the expectations are like here <laughs> and I'm going to be like down here. <laughs> so take it away. Talking. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it really is a, a privilege to, 
to be asked to speak and to share, mostly because James and I do admire and respect Fitz and Heather so, so much. Um, they have helped us immensely in this business on so many different levels. And so if I can help in some way, then yay, that's good. <laughs> okay, take it back. Um, so I, I want to say I was listening to something this morning and uh, it was talking about Gandhi. And I'm not, I'm not comparing you, Fitz, to Gandhi, but this, <laughs> I think this analogy works. When it was saying um, when Gandhi started gaining momentum as to who he was becoming and I guess like starting to realize that he was going to like change the direction of his country, right, with his um, pacifism and everything. And um, he said that um, he knew his ego could so easily overtake and that could hinder the mission, right? And so um, he was really intentional about staying humble like the entire time that he was um, doing everything. And that's why he dressed the way he dressed and that's why he ate what he ate, you know, which is really, um, uh, what's the word, uh, austere, right? It was really not uh, as glamorous as he could have lived. And it's because he was intentional about staying humble. And I kind of feel like that about Fitz. He's the most intentional person that, he's one of the most intentional people that I know in business and in life where, he always really, I feel like he's intentional about everything he does. Cause I think that if uh, you can be NAA famous, Alliance famous, and then start to get a big head, like way too big for your britches. Right. And then once you start to get too big for your britches, it's almost too late for anyone to tell you that you're too big for your britches. So I appreciate that. Fitz, um, and Heather have never, never been like that. Two of the most humble people ever that James and I've met. So, Okay. So, um, I think the thing that I want to say, and I have notes, right? I have notes on my phone. I'm not just checking like my Facebook or something, but, um, I, I have notes and they're not just notes. They're literally everything that I say, like written out. Um, I don't know how many people who are brand new on here, or if you have this massive sales background or you don't, um, I'm incredibly awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> and usually like Heather said like I feel like I'm in pain like so much of the time um but it's uh but I I write out like everything that I'm gonna say because I just I I don't know what to say most of the time so um just uh if, if you think that you're awkward or you think that you're not um very good at talking to people uh i have good news you can you can write things out and <laughs> know what to say and with the telesales it's kind of great because you actually have a cheat sheet i used to in the home have my computer up and it would have a word document that i could um i would read off of every time i would forget what to say to my client so now i just have uh my word documents and still read off what i'm going to say to you guys um okay so I realize um, that uh, I feel like whenever I do a talk, I need to think of something new and something different, like a new strategy. So that way you guys will pay attention <laughs> to what I'm saying. Because how many leadership books, how many books on leadership can you read before you're like, oh my God, it's like the same thing. I don't know if anyone else feels like that, right? It's about 80 for me. <laughs> That's what it was. I was like... Uh, you know, their principles, right? Um, but I realized um, I was listening and reading books on, um, listening to things and reading books on fitness and uh, I guess 
getting muscle and, you know, weight loss, just, you know, fitness, right? And it was annoying. Let me tell you why. Because um, I would hear contradictory things that said the same thing, right? Eat one meal a day, eat five small meals. Running is good. Jogging is better. Walking is what you should do. You know, you should run and then walk. You should lift smaller weights more often. You should lift bigger weights less often. Don't do cardio. You should do cardio. I mean, um, Michelle, when you were talking about you're going to have renewed energy, I'm like, was this you the past couple of years without the energy? You're, you're crazy. I'm, I'm excited for it. What's his name? Oscar? Um, Oliver? So <laughs> that's, um, that's crazy. But um, so I realized after reading all this stuff and listening to things on fitness and weight loss that, you know what, as long as I move around, that's, that's good enough, right? That's, that's enough. Um, that's how I, that's how I feel about it. So if I can use that analogy in terms of what we do in our business, it's just move, right? Just do something. Everything works a little bit. Could you be better at it? Yes. Um, will your form improve as you do more and more of it? Yep. But if we don't move, then we won't make progress. And that was something that I read was like the definition of happiness, which is progress. Um, we can have a certain kind of happy sitting on the couch watching TV, a certain kind of happy playing with um, the kids or family. I don't have kids. Um, I have adorable nephews that I play with, right? Because I can give them back, which also adds to my happiness. But, um, you know, like it's when we're making progress in our relationships, when we're making progress in our business and in work, that's when we feel flow and that's when we feel happy. And I feel like the first step to that is just to move, to do something and to, to mess up a lot, which I want to say it's a little bit harder for women than for men. And I can just say that because I'm a woman. So that's, that's what I'm going to say. Um, that actually was psychology behind the reason why it's because men, you know, boys, when you're growing up, you know, you kind of grow up dirty and messy and you play and you say mean things to each other, like really mean things. Like you call each other names, right? And um, girls, we don't do that. We, we, cat, we, we can be cat-like, which is not good either, you know, but um, we're supposed to be like pretty and um, clean and not messy. And so I almost feel like it's a little more natural, less counterintuitive for, for girls to, to do that. But anyways, <clears throat> so I know there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, every time I'm saying goodbye to somebody, I'm saying um, be safe, which I don't know. I think it's a little weird, but I guess that's the new sign off, right? Um, when Jay, I was thinking about it, when James and I first started, it was 2008, like 2009. That's when we first got our license. That's when we first started making calls. And that's when everything was um, shutting down. And I know this is a different type of shutdown with the pandemic and the health. But um, if you're brand new getting started right now, this is as bad as it's going to be. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, if you can, if you can take heart in that. Um, yeah, if you can take heart in that, I think that's huge. Um, if I can encourage you, 
more than anything is um, to find routine in your day-to-day. -day. Uh, the running joke that I seem to hear is um, that your bl days blend together, right? You can't tell if it's Tuesday or if it's Saturday. Um, and you think it doesn't matter, but if you can find routine, your brain will be less stressed. Um, so not, it's not waking up every single day asking, what am I going to do today? It's um, waking up with having purpose and definiteness of purpose, right? So like putting something in your calendar, putting multiple things in your calendar, because if we don't, then we're gonna very easily get distracted because your brain is going to find something else to do that is not as productive, but it's going to justify your actions because you're going to um, see, like, if you have two good things that you can do, like two things that um, are productive that you can do, you know the one thing that you really should do, but, you're, but you really don't want to do that one thing, which is probably make phone calls, right, to clients. Um, and so your brain will bring up this thing, but you also need to do this right? And it will, you'll, you'll justify the action of doing the other thing. So for me, it's, um, if I write it down, then I am 80% more likely to do it. Not, not every single time, but if I write it down. Um, Heather mentioned um, that I will do things if I don't feel like it. And uh, it's, it's a little, um, I want to say it's the way I was brought up. And maybe people are different now, but um, like when we were growing up, it didn't matter how you felt. Like you just, you did it anyways. Like it literally didn't matter. I, I don't feel like going to school. Like I had to go to school. My parents were not at home. They, they weren't going to be home for 12 hours. So whether I felt like it or not, I was, I was at school. So I think that if you just make it into a have to, like you can't get up from your desk until you do X number of dials or until you talk to X number of people, then some having something tangible as opposed to I'm just going to dial here for the next 12 hours because I think I would shoot myself if I had to, if I had to do that. Um, so I, if I, I have um, two takeaways that I want to give for brand new people and then I want to give to, I guess, people who have been around for a little while. So, um, and these are technical things. Um, so this is a story from Tony Robbins. If you don't know who he is, um, I, I, I guess I don't know how to describe him because he says he's not like a motivational speaker or he's not, I don't, I don't know, but he, he's on YouTube, right? So uh, he's written books, but he, when he was young and nobody knew who he was, he had a partner mentor that um, um, he was going to go and speak to a sniper school, army sniper school. So, you know, you're shooting guns at very long distances and um, his partner couldn't catch his flight like last minute. And so told Tony to go and do it on his own. And he is like early twenties, has no idea, super nervous. Like he thought he was just going to go and um, kind of be the guy that was with his partner. Right. So he's the one ending up talking. And so he goes to the school and he says, um, the people there are like disappointed that the other guy isn't there talking. And he asks um, Tony, like, have you ever even shot a gun before? And he says, no. So now they're laughing at him disdainfully, right? Cause he's there to teach them something about um, 
army sniper school, right? And so he says, let me just watch you guys shoot for a couple of minutes. So I think he watched them for like 10 minutes. And he says, okay, let's try this. And he asked them to bring the targets in from where they were at two and 400 yards away to like 50 yards away, right? And so sniper is long range shooting, right? So they're like, no, we're not gonna bring the, the target in that close, that's stupid. And he said, just, just bring it in. And so they brought it in like um, 50 yards and then they all, and he had them all shoot and they all got bullseyes. And then he, you know, had them move the target 75 yards and then shoot and then 100 yards and then shoot and then 150 yards and shoot. And basically he condensed what was like three or four days of training within three hours. And how did that happen? Because typically when you're in this sniper school, like all the targets are like 400 and 600 yards away. And that's where you just start shooting. I imagine it looks something like this, right? Um, but he brought the target so close and it boosted their confidence that um, as the target got further and further away, they, they had confidence and then the repetition of the action. And so um, that's how uh, I think they graduated in those three hours. Like they, they passed like 98 percentile what, what took the four days. So if you're brand new, um, what we ask all of our agents to do, what we've always asked them to do is um, call the people that you know. And if you just got your license, um, or if you've had your license for a long time, but now you're working with us, right? It's, hey, I got my license, or hey, I'm working with a new company. Um, I assume you already have insurance. Can I come over, or I guess we don't say, can I come over now? I'm so used to saying that, right? Um, can I review it over the phone with you? Can I practice reviewing it? And you're gonna get, because the if you if you don't say, I assume you have insurance, then the response was just before, um, I already have insurance, right? And the point isn't necessarily to sell them. The point is to go through all the actions that you would go through, go through all the motions that you would go through because your friend or your uh, cousin or your uncle is not going to no-show you, right? They're not gonna not pick up the phone. They're gonna have their policy out. Um, and the first time you review a policy should be, you know, like you should, you should know what a policy looks like, right? Before you try to do it in front of an absolute stranger, if, if you can help it, right? And usually what will happen is you'll probably make a couple of sales, but either way that it's not going to be um, a bunch of hangups and a bunch of um, cuss outs and a bunch of, you know, which just can demoralize, right? Demotivate like a little faster than we wanted to, you know? Um, and because I think a lot of it is you do want to have some motivation to, to move forward. Um, so the people would be so much better at um, the stick to if we just had something that encouraged us a little bit more, right? Um, and then for the people who have been around for a little bit, then um, it's shoot your clients a text, call them, reach out to them, right? And if nothing else, um, we have been going back through our um, clients and um, been doing like, and basically telling them, because there are, no matter how, how good you might be, um, there are plenty of clients. And if I'm the only one, I'm the only one, fine. But uh, there are plenty of clients that I didn't like complete the ERS process with. 
right? Because I had more leads coming in and I had more people to talk to. So it was just something that I never went back and did. And so uh, we've been going back through our clients and calling them and um, setting up the um, emergency response. Hey, these are really uncertain times. We were going through your file. We realized that we didn't complete your emergency response system. So I'd like to take some time to do that with you now. And then um, doing that. And I just thought about this last night. So don't, don't take this for what it, I mean, take it for what it is because I just thought about it last night. And I thought about calling all the policies that I've had that have lapsed or canceled over the years. And um, just being like, hey, you know, we noticed at one point you had a policy with Misha Omaha, with uh, Transamerica, with Foresters. These are really uncertain times. Is that something that you wanted to relook at? You know, um, because we do have a lot of people that are in our book of business, if you've been around for a little bit, that you could call. Because I've thought for years, how do I call these people that have lapsed and canceled? And I do kind of feel like this is a reason to call. I, th I think I just needed a reason to call too, you know. Um, I did want to say uh, one thing just about the IUL, and I did not know that you were doing these seminar things, um, but I, uh, I've usually been like in the top five for IULs, not because I write like these massive IULs, but because I'm just always asking people, um, hey, have you started your kid's savings plan? Um, hey, have you, um, are you familiar with tax-free savings? And with a lot of like relatively younger people, I've done um, IULs and I ask them like, you know, you can start at $100 a month and do you see yourself next year doing 125 and do you see yourself two years from now like doing 150 and they pretty much all say, yeah, right? Because I think for younger people, the barrier to entry is they think that because they can't do $200 a month now or $400 a month now that they just put it off. But I'm like, you know, 50 bucks a pay period now, a hundred bucks a month. Right. Um, and then I started with that. And then when I re meet with them, um, or I'll just call them, like I have a phone appointment with someone on Thursday that she's going to increase how much she's putting into her IUL, um, that we started like last year for her and her daughter. Right. And so she's just going to increase how much she's putting into it because she's 23 years old, 24 years old. I don't remember what she started at Ash, but um, I was just texting a bunch of clients yesterday. Hey, just checking in to see how you're doing. I hope that you and your family are staying safe. And like, I just got a bunch of like, you know, thanks so much for thinking about me. And I got a couple of, um, hey, my mom was asking about insurance. And, you know, I think it's just that relationship thing, which I really need to work on. <laughs> It's a uh, Joe Walker mentioned like, um, I don't know how many of your clients are your friends on Facebook, but I had my very first client ever like friend me on Facebook last week. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. What is the social context that I should be using for this? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm really socially awkward. I need a guideline um, in order to, to do that. But I, I will just share one last thing. And then I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you want to open it up or if this is just the end of it, which is, um, it, it was really similar to what happened with Joe Walker, right? I had a lead back in November um, that I didn't sell. And I met with him, I talked to him, and um, the mortgage protection really didn't make sense. He had enough money in his bank account, just in the checking, to pay off the mortgage. Uh, he had TSPs, he had 401ks. He was just 
you know, looking around. And so I just kind of leaned back and I, I talked to him, just try to understand his situation. And I was like, so what would happen here and what would happen there? And how come you looked at this or what was the strategy behind this? And I was just, you know, talking to him, right? It, I don't think, I think I sounded like I knew a lot of what I was talking about just because I was asking a lot of questions. And there's a call that Brent Swindell did, a product call a couple of weeks ago that was great at that. Um, so um, I, at the end, um, it was like probably 20 or 30 minutes of just chatting uh, where I was mostly asking questions and he was answering them, right? Uh, not in interrogation, but we're just talking. And I said, I'm going to show you like mortgage protection because he's 64, 65. I'm going to show you mortgage protection, but um, I think there's another plan that might make more sense for you. And so I showed it to him and he was like, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's not bad, but it's not really what I'm looking for. I was like, right. So then I ended up uh, leaving him the Growth Without Risk book and we actually met again and talked about it. And he had at the time 618000 in, his, in a TSP, he had other 401ks and everything. And so we talked about it and he said, it's interesting, you know, I'm, I really like this book, I'm probably gonna do something, but um, he was gonna retire at the end of January, end of February. And uh, he called me and we had a BAMFAM scheduled, we had a, a, an appointment scheduled uh, a month or two after, right? And so I wasn't really, counting on it because it was like a month later two months later but you know it had to coincide with his retirement and he he called me and he said uh hey my retirement uh something is um not quite right they need to get some things in order so let's wait i said okay and then uh corona happened and the stock markets just started uh plummeting and he called he said like, you need to come over right now and it went from 618 to 5 520 is what it went from. And then by the time we rolled it, it did recover a little bit. So it was 545 and uh, 545,000. And so with him, and I think this is what you're doing too. I, I, I don't know all the specifics, Joe, but where um, he wanted death benefit, that was his main concern. Uh, this money here is not for income. And so we're actually taking 50,000 of it every single year. Like we're doing the 10% down and we're funding an IUL with it, so that way, day one, there, if he were to die, right, then the death benefit pays and the annuity pays. So um, I just re-met with him. He always wants to meet in person. Uh, so I just re-met with him to, to finalize all of that. But it, it was just touching base, and it wasn't like, um, it, it was like what all of you guys have been saying, which is building relationships. And we get paid, I realize this more and more and more, but we get paid for the value that we add, right? So if you don't make a sale that day or that client, it's because we didn't add value to that client, right? And I think especially uh, when we get into survival mode, whether you're first starting here and you were in a bad financial situation and you're here and you're in survival mode, or maybe like you were doing good here, but Corona happened and it's throwing you off and now you get into survival, sur survival mode, um, I think the main thing to remember is if we look at it from, if we look at all of our actions from the perspective of what can I get out of it, then we're going to have less success than if we look at this pers uh, situation from how can I help them get something more of it? How can I help them have value? Because if you keep helping people add value, then you're going to 
you're going to get value added to you, if that makes sense. I don't know if that was too vague or general, but that's kind of all I had. <laughs> that was a lot, Jane. That was, um, seriously. It's so I'm, weird because I'm just looking at myself. Don't <laughs> and I keep touching my face, which is what I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> it was, it's a lot to digest for sure. I mean, it's, um, I, I saw chats coming across about how smart and inspirational you are and funny. <laughs> um, and I agree with all those things. And, um, you gave us some real practical tips and I've heard of people doing that. I know we've had it come through the office a couple of times where uh, a client has this money, we roll it into an annuity and then uh, every year the agent is getting with the client and making sure we're taking that 10% out and putting it in it. And we've had it fund um, uh, IULs. We've had it fund uh, basic term policies um, and, and paying that annual premium. Uh, and so, as you're talking about it, like I'm thinking, gosh, in that situation, I wonder if he'd be eligible for the premium finance deal because on the IUL, but he's 64 and it's a different deal. Um, anyway, you just, you've got just such a wealth of knowledge and uh, I think you deliver it uh, with such um, good stories. I like the, the Tony Robbins story. Uh, I'd forgotten that one. I think I'd remembered it, but I'd, you said it and I was like, oh yeah, that's a really good story. So well done, Jane. I just want to thank you uh, for everybody. I don't want to open it up for questions because who knows where that goes um, <laughs> when you get into a Q&A. But uh, if, as I get questions, I can forward them on to you uh, if you're open to that. And um, yes. anyway, just thank you so much for, uh, for continuing to set the pace and the example. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Give her a hand. All everybody. Right. Man, oh man. That's some good stuff right there. So uh, thank you again to Jane for taking time out. Listen, she didn't just take out time. She obviously was on our call for quite a bit today. Uh, and she didn't just take time um, to be on the call today. She clearly prepared for it. Uh, she wasn't just on a whim. I mean, she typed out everything she was going to say. And so I know that the commitment that she just uh, gave us is, uh, is, is huge. And guys, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't, don't take that for granted. Uh, one of the best in the country just shared with us um, some really gold nuggets. And I just challenge you this week to go out and do something with it. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with the Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.